tonight we're going to be diving into our, uh, our series called Life. And as you can read underneath, it's not a game. This ain't a game. But real quick, though, who had played this game in life? Who's played this game? <laughs> so that's how you really feel. So I, I haven't played this game in a while, and I had to look, I had to Google the notes on, on like, the, the, the rules. How, how does this game work? And what I came across was this, like, the main objection of this game is to collect as much stuff, to get the most money, to have the most prestigious career, uh, family status and structure, house, car, vacations, blah, 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 blah. And the objection of that game is the more stuff you have, the more you're hashtag winning. Hashtag. And that, that, this game actually does imitate life. The culture in which we live in, the American dream, it's all about the education you have, the job you have, the cars you drive, the houses and the neighborhoods that you live in, the vacations you take. In Mark chapter 8, 36, none of those things are a sin, by the way. None of those things are a sin. But there is something to be said about a warning of allowing those things to become an idol in your life. Mark 8, chapter 8, verses 36 says this. What good is it for someone to gain the world, gain all of this stuff, and forfeit their soul? Again, it's not a sin to have things. It's not a sin to go on nice trips. It's not a sin to live in nice neighborhoods. Have stuff. Don't let stuff have you. And this whole month, we're going to be unpacking what it means to live in a gospel-centered life that reflects in everything that we do. We know this to be true. God has a plan for you and I. Roman, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. His kingdom and what we celebrated on over the Easter weekend, Resurrection Sunday, his kingdom was broke through, through the person of Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection. And from that moment, the culmination of Jesus' resurrection, the Holy Spirit now lives and dwells in those who believe in the resurrected Jesus Christ, and the kingdom of God advances through you and I in our communities and across our world. Simply put, this gospel truth that we sing about, preach about, teach about, pray about, it means that for those who are believers in Christ, every areas of our lives need to be evaluated through this gospel-centered lens. And tonight, we're going to be dealing with the topic of work. And how does the gospel affect your work? Tonight, actually, Corey, Corey Casperson was supposed to be preaching on uh, and teaching on money, um, but God had a different plan for Corey. Uh, he's actually recovering. He had uh, some uh, cold symptoms or whatever, and so we're going to be praying for him tonight uh, that God would heal him and he would be able to be back with us um, in the end of the week. Uh, but next week, we're going to have a special guest. Uh, Paul Artino is going to be in the house. 
He's going to be talking about relationships and dating. So please get all your friends, get everybody in here. Let's pack this place out. But tonight we get to focus on work. And when I was thinking about this, like, man, I, I mean, I care about, uh, you know, earning a, a living and making sure we, we stay centered in the gospel when thinking about these, these different subjects and these, and these topics. But I'm going to tell you something. I mean, the Bible I- is very clear about how we're to work, and we're going to unpack a lot of that. But if you are not a believer in the room, and I want to I be sensitive to that as well. If you're not a believer in this room, talking about the gospel and work, that may f- it may seem like, like, I don't know what you do. Like, that's, you're talking like a foreign language. Well, tonight, here's what I want you to do. Just allow for your mind to, to escape from this cultural identity of what it means to have a job, to pursue these things, to have the money, the cars, the, the house, like, like escape for one second. And we're going to pray that God would open or reveal to you, your eyes would be open to the gospel truth and seeing our need for Jesus. So let's pray. Let's ask for the Spirit's witness in this moment. Father, we thank you so much for your love, your compassion and grace towards us. <clears throat> we thank you for our brothers and sisters who are here um, for the first time and those who have been around for uh, years. Uh, we're thankful for the opportunity to gather. Um, God, I was just thinking about this time last year. We weren't even able to have an Easter service. And um, God, how we was able to celebrate with our brothers and sisters and celebrate new life is just, just so beautiful to witness. But for tonight, I ask God that you would reveal to uh, those who don't know you, God, would, they, would, would you draw them in closer to yourself? For the rest of us, God, would you help us to, to lean into these things that you want to share with us to help change our perspective on how you've called us into every aspect of life to influence and to shape and to point others to you? So, again, would you use this time? And, God, we do pray for Corey that you would heal him and allow him to have a season of rest and to be restored. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So everyone should have gotten a, it's on their, <coughs> on the table there. Now here's the deal. We're going to actually have a, a real a moment of crowd participation. A lot of conversations we're going to have around this subject of, of talking. So what those pens are are actually dry erase markers, and you're going to be able to write on them. So we're going to start conversations around this gospel-centered lens of how the gospel should affect your, your work. So before we do that, let me kind of give a map of where we're going tonight. We're going to look at the biblical story of how creation, in the beginning of the biblical story, creation has God, which is what this is, read at God, God creating man to do a work within creation. This is not an Oreo cookie. This is not a kickball. This is supposed to be the world. I got one laugh. God bless. Y'all, listen, it's, it's going to get downhill from there, so y'all better figure it out. Again, uh, that's, that's a chocolate chip cookie. It's the world. It's, it's creation. So, and there's three different lenses, and we're going we're gonna to unpack it a little bit later on, but there's three kind of areas that the gospel as it affects your work, there's three things or three areas that I, I pray that God would affect you as you walk out of here, that your perspective, your purpose, and your passion, your perspective, your purpose, and your passion 
would all be altered through the lens of the gospel. So let's look at this. We're going to start with Genesis chapter 2. So Genesis 1 talks about God creating. So he's creating um, the earth. Um, it was void, and God comes in, and he, he does his thing. He forms water, and he makes light, right? He makes the sun. He, do, he does all these crazy and beautiful and glorious things. And then in ver- chapter 2, chapter 2, no, actually, let me just read uh, 26. Chapter 1, 26 through 27 says this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply or fill the earth. And subdue it, rule over it, the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every living creature that moves along the ground. So here's the deal. God creates mankind. In the beginning, there was a relationship that God had with this person we call Adam. His relationship with Adam was perfect, beautiful. Uh, The the Bible calls it uh, shalom, which means perfect peace. God has that with, God bless you, God has that with Adam and Adam has that with God. There's a beautiful relationship there. Now we're going to start with this conversation of your job. So bear with me, bear with me. When when he tells Adam, hey, hey, stud, get into creation and work it. Not twerk it, but work it. Till the ground. Build, build houses, right, cultivate, subdue, bring order into chaos. That's, that's his job. Here's what I want this first conversation to start with, and I'm going to give us five minutes. I'm going to set a timer and everything. Actually, I ain't got no timer here. So we're gonna, we, here's what we're going to do. With four, four of you guys, four, no more than four or five, have a conversation, and this is the conversation we're going to start with first, this relationship between you and God. How does your job, now I want to make sure I'm asking this question correctly, how, how does your relationship with God affect your work? How does your relationship with God currently, like where you're at in your relationship with you and the Lord, how does that relationship affect what you do at your job? I'll give you five minutes now, five minutes, discuss, and here, I want you to write down some ideas and write it down on the, on the, uh, on the slip there. And then we'll discuss this back in the next five minutes. Go. Okay, 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 okay. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. All right. How, 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 here's what I would love to do. I would love to get just a few examples, a few examples. How does your relationship with God affect the way you work? Yeah, you got to sit still. Oh, what what did she say? be seen. Love it. Who else? Give me one more. One more. One more kind of like 
man, my relationship with God. Here's here's an example I have. So when my when I'm not when I feel like I'm not as close to God, when I haven't had my prayer or devotion time, when I'm kind of like in this space where I feel like I can do it on my own, I become more um, harsh towards people. Connor would say, well, you must don't do any devotions because you're harsh towards me every every day. (laughs) (laughs) But I I find myself like in in these spaces where my heart is like turning dark. And I have to be, I like, I have to seek him and spend time with him and depend on him more and more and more. That kind of thing. So any other, like, examples of, one more, give me one more, please. Yes. All right, now, let's look at this relationship. How we, our relationship with God and our work and how it affects us. How, how does your work affect you? In, uh, we're still in, the <laughs> still in the biblical story here. In Genesis 2, Here's what here's what uh, here's what the Lord says. He gives a commandment. This is a this is a, a biblical mandate. Genesis two fifteen. The Lord took the man and put him in the garden to work it and to take care of it. Then skip down to verse twenty five when he says, Adam and his wife they were both naked but they did not feel shame. There was no shame when it came to their job and what they were supposed to do. There was this inner peace of I am in my element. I'm doing what God has created me to do. Therefore, how it makes me feel is, or how Adam is feeling is, like he's there's no shame, there's no guilt, there's no condemnation, there's no there's no uh, feeling of worthlessness. Like this doesn't matter. There, that that is not there. That's not present. But then the fall comes, and then that happens. <laughs> but then Jesus comes. The gospel comes, and he frees us. The Bible says in Romans 8 that therefore, this is Romans 8, 1, therefore there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. First Corinthians talks about, like, we are made new. When, when we are baptized and, and submerged and brought up, that representation is our old lives are, are done away. We're, we're, we're a new creation. And that new creation, there's a, in Galatians talks about we are, we have the fruit of the spirit, which is patience, peace, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what should be flourishing in our job. <laughs> but I, I know better. <laughs> I worked a job at the Florida Department of Education for three years before I became a, a full-time collegiate pastor back in, back in Florida. There was many days I felt like I'm absolutely wasting away in this cubicle. Like, I'm, I'm in this cubicle, like, I'm getting nothing done productive. I don't, like, my brain is just doing, it's useless. Because I had a wrong perspective. So here's what I want to do. Let's take the next five minutes. We're going to talk about how does the gospel affect the way that you view yourself and how you are viewed within yourself when it comes to your job. When it comes to your job. And then we'll come back and discuss some more. 
two people that asked me this question, so I'm going I'm to go ahead and say it out loud. How does, how does your job affect the way you feel about yourself? Like, how does it, your job? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Communicating clearly is kindness. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So I hope we got, we got some clarity on that. And I need to give an example. an example of our relationship with God and how it works, the gospel affects our or influence our work with our relationship with God, how it influences the way we feel about ourselves or how it, what we think of ourselves. Um, David at a, a, at a table here, he made us, he made this, said this thought I thought was really good. He was saying essentially like when we are, um, and you see in the, in the biblical story when Adam and Eve before they sinned, they were unashamed. But when they sinned, they hid themselves. And so when sin is permeated in our culture and in our our society the way it is, a lot of the times it causes us to have this false view of ourselves. Most of the times when I'm doing something and I I don't get that uh, that affirmation, hey, good job, attaboy, sometimes this insecurity start to, like, creep in and, like, I start to feel, like, again, like worthless or not not um like that like i don't i don't fit or i'm not doing what i'm supposed to be doing kind of thing when i find my identity in my job versus it's not who i am it's just what i do so can i get one example from someone that was talking of how does this this relationship in in your work affect you don't don't um don't everybody <laughs> speak at once. <laughs> Don't be shy. Give me one. One. Two. Okay. My goodness. No compare. That honestly, that I think is one of those. Um, it's in uh, either Galatians or Timothy. I'm not sure, but it talks about Paul. The Apostle Paul talks about not comparing yourselves to other believers. Like God has given each of us a race to run. We we can't be always trying to figure out what Sue or Jane is doing when God has given us an assignment and a job to do. So that's actually really really good. Uh, thank you for that. Who, who else? I, I thought I saw him. Nobody. Yeah. Ministry doesn't stop because you're not working at it. Now we're going to focus on this, this arrow of the one another's, co-workers, patients, um, people that you deal with, customer service, like, <laughs> be honest, Sue, <laughs> be honest, like, when you're not, when the gospel is not 
presence, <laughs> where you're not living in the gospel, how does your works affect the way that you treat others? Now, in that same breath, <laughs> with the gospel lens, how does the gospel affect the way that you treat coworkers, patients, customer service, whatever? We gotta, we gotta hurry this up though. Let, let's make this three minutes. Three minutes. All right, go, go, go. <laughs> All right, I, I, I know we got some good conversations going. I am going to try to wrap this up. Oh, we're still going, huh? I'm going to try to wrap this up uh, with this last with this last um, arrow of our job and, and creation. Like your job, whether you whether you're a painter, whether you are a uh, commoner, whether you are a, uh, you work at a school, whether you work um, building robotic <laughs> machinery, wha like whatever your job is, there is, there's something to be said about how that job, whatever your job is, how it is in line with the creational mandate to subdue. What, what, what the Lord told Adam to do in the garden is a reflection of what you and I are doing in our, in our context, in our culture, in our society. So even if you're, you say, I don't have a job, well, this perspective, I hope, is something that you would take to your future jobs. As a student, as, as a, as a, there's, there's, um, there's folks that, uh, Tim Keller, he talks, like even the stay-at-home mom, like every job, all of it, it, it matters. And so here's where I'm going to wrap up um, in our diagram with that same kind of thought that whether you're at a company or you're at home, wh whether you, whatever you're doing, a paid position, unpaid, internship, it, doesn't, it does not matter. You have a responsibility, Christian, to bring the gospel to your workforce. Typically, as Christians, we'll privatize our faith. We won't, we won't make it known in public spaces. It won't be, like, verbal. But one of those responsibilities of subduing and cultivating and bringing order out of into chaos is instructing how did you become the how did you become the way you are and there's a voicing in that that God gives his his followers that we're to be a signpost pointing others to Christ by not just what we do but what we say what what you what you verbalize at your workspace matters so let me give you an example there's a there's a couple in the church who are real estate couples they they both um, real estate agents <laughs> their company or their their job whatever is is to help families find housing but they've turned it into a ministry i can't tell you how many people have started coming to this church because of that family because of this couple who are real estate agents they utilize their job as a mission field and a part of their mission field is pointing people to jesus through word and deed so here goes some takeaways for tonight. We, we put them up, and I, I want to just really unpack them for the next 10 minutes or so. The takeaway for tonight, the first one is the perspective. The gospel should affect your job within a perspective of what you do. Not, not who you are, but what you do. And if it hasn't, if it doesn't, Psalm 139, I, I, wanna, I, I pray that over 
um, you tonight specifically over myself as well, that God would search us. This is Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me into the way of everlasting. Our jobs is a calling from the Lord. And all of it is used for human flourishing. Ask God to check our hearts and our motives of why we do what we do. Is it to earn a paycheck so that we can get the house, so we can have the car? So, like, check your motives with that. Your job is actually your mission field. Martin Luther, he had this. Uh, he's the guy, he was the founder of the Reformation founder. He, was this, he essentially was the, the, the father of how the Reformation got started. And he had his, in his 95 theses, the first one was this. The first thought from his thesis was, it's by grace alone, faith alone, and Christ alone. His second thought was the priesthood of the believer, meaning every job matters. He was a monk, grew up in the 1500s, and he thought, he grew up thinking the only jobs that really mattered were monks, priests, nuns, that kind of clergy work. And then he read verses like Colossians 3.23 and, and 1 Corinthians 10.31. And he's reading Paul's epistles. And he start, it, it just clicks for him. And, and, and he has this line that says, the postman, the, the sanitation worker. Well, he called it the trash man, but we don't, we don't use that in our, in our day. Uh, the doctor, the lawyer. E everyone has a divine purpose and, and obligation in creation. They have a divine role, every last one of the believers. That's you and I, brothers and sisters. Having the right perspective changes the outcome of why we do what we do, which leads me to our, my next point, which is purpose. The gospel should affect the purpose of what you do. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God, whatever it is. So if you are a physical therapist, <laughs> do it for the glory of God. If you're an IT person, do it for the glory of God. And whatever occupations there are, I got I to gotta get going. Um, Tim Keller has this thought. He says this, our daily work can be a calling. It can be. It can be. It can, if we just reconcile this, he says this, if we reconcile that it is God's assignment for us to serve one another. It's an assignment that God has given us in our jobs, in our, in our professions, to use it to serve others and to do it with a passionate heart, which leads me to my last point, that the gospel should affect our passion in which how the work gets done. Christians should be the hardest workers in whatever field it is. The Christian should be outwork anyone who is in whatever field that you're in. Colossians 3.23 has this, if you want to throw that up. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working to the Lord and not to humankind, not, not to man. We're not doing this for a check. We're not doing this for man's pleasing. We're doing this unto the Lord. And when you're having a passion of passion of Christ <laughs> pushing you and motivating you and, 
and, and allowing you to maneuver in your job, that also is a sign that points people to Christ. Why is it that you work so hard? Because you're the intern. <laughs> why, are you, why are you here before everybody in the last one leaves? I'm not doing this for me. I'm not doing this to please the boss. I'm doing this to honor God. Make it a habit and a pattern to ask God to find creative ways to work in a way that honors him in all that you do. So the so what for tonight, like what, what does all this mean? There's a, uh, this theologian dude, um, I was reading in this commentary that, or I read about this commentary. His name's Pete O'Brien. He had this to say. He said, the dividing, dividing wall of secular and sacred, so secular the world, sacred church stuff, like, like that wall has been torn down and every task falls within the sphere of Christ's lordship. Everything. Al Walsh is one of my favorite professors and one of my favorite theologians. He wrote a book called uh, uh, Creation Regained. Every square inch of God's creation is in ev everything. So it all matters. There's not one job that does not matter. So if the job matters, how much more do you? Now, if you're not a Christian, again, if you're in here, you're going to like, dude, I don't, what is the, all these arrows and signs and the cookie and the whatever the deal is you got up on that whiteboard? Like, first of all, thank you, and I'm, we're glad that you're here. And I know these, these kind of messages really, we're thinking about like the gospel and work and the money and all that other stuff. It's kind of like, man, I could just holler at Dave Ramsey, right? Like, I don't have to sit up in here. But here's the reality, like. Bible really does speak to all of life. And if you're an unbeliever, I would start with the part where Jesus came to die. I would start with how he, he while you were in sin, he, 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 God sent his son for the right moment to die a death that he didn't deserve, that, that you and I deserve in order that we may have a right relationship with him. That's where it starts, the gospel. It's good news. See, good news makes you happy. Sad news makes you sad. For those who are in Christ Jesus, should be happy. As uh, the Duck Dynasty dude, uh, I forget his name. Uh, happy, happy, happy. <laughs> yeah, there you go, Phil, old Phil. But this news makes us happy, and then there's a, there's a response in that happiness of how we do what we are called to do. Now, one of the perks of this good news is for sure being saved and having right relationship. But I'm going to submit this, that the, the gospel in its underlining tone of fundamental foundation is God bringing sinners, you and I, from death to life. And, and then we get to participate in his mission of pointing others back to him. And then for the believers in the room, for everyone in here who say Jesus is Lord, your faith and your works go hand in hand. They're not separate. Gospel in life is not some cliche metaphor. 
your work ethic and your attitude reflects what you're claiming to be true. How will the gospel affect your work moving forward? I'm going to pray for us. We're going to ask for the spirit of the Lord, the living God, to continue to shape and reshape our thinking and our perspective, our purpose, and our passion for what we do. And that this calling, this, this thing called work would have a total new meaning for us as we move forward. Let me pray for us, um, and then we'll begin to, we'll begin to uh, get into some worship. So, Father, thank you so much for your, your love, your grace, and your mercy. God, these moments are extremely, um, they're, they're one of those moments where trying to uh, think through the lens of the gospel is not one of those um, come to Jesus kind of, kind of calls. But, God, we do know, we do know, Lord, that you use these moments to draw people closer to you. You use these moments to awaken dead hearts. For the unbeliever in the room, God, would you do that right now? Would you draw them to yourself in a message on work? For the rest of us in this room, God, for those who are called according to your purpose, who follow in the ways of Jesus, I'm asking very specifically God, for a perspective to, to, to begin to shift, that heart postures would begin to lean into the things of God and the gospel-centered view of their purpose of what they do, and then they would have a passion, God, that we would have a passion like nobody's business to work hard, to work with full of energy and, and, and great attitudes that would be another signpost pointing others back to you. Father, we're thankful for um, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We got to celebrate last week, and we're thankful for all the work that you are doing and will do in the hearts of your people. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you. In your name we pray.